right, so this week is a little bit different. We cha- changed up things. We came on the, uh, to the floor. Uh, we, we actually went more acoustic, um, changed it up. It was, uh, we, th- we thought we'd kind of get the feel of being in a living room, right? Singing together, like family, uh, around the piano. Um, I know growing up, that's what we did. Hannah's family uh, did the same thing. Hers was more extreme than me. They had like all different kinds of parts and I sat down at the dinner table, um, first time uh, ever eating over at her house, and they had like six-part harmonies going on during the, the prayer over the meal. I'm like, what in the world did I enter into, right? But it was beautiful, you know, and so um, it's cool just to kind of change things up, right? I like it. I, I like being on the floor where we're connected. I feel, feel that. Um, so, so today we're going to be talking about happy. Is everybody happy this morning? Is everybody happy this morning? Yes. Alright, so let's help I'll help you out. Okay. Alright. Come on now. We got a little hum whistle going on? Yes. Here we go. Y'all know the words. Don't worry, be happy. Here's a little song I wrote. I want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be, be happy. Every life we have some trouble. All right. Good job. Thank you. All right. So, so now, are you happy? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Good. Just got had to get y'all into that mood, right? Right. We we, we sometimes come in um, wherever we are. Really, we bring a lot. You know, we bring some worries. We bring some carries. You know, the, the stress and things like that. And so, it's okay to to have that and to carry it. But sometimes we just need to just loosen up, right? And so this sermon today, I hope that loosens you up a little bit, okay? Um, we've been talking about Beatitudes, um, and it talks about being blessed. And there's two words in the Greek that uh, actually speaks of blessed. Um, and I took two years of Greek, I'll just let you know that, but it was the hardest years of my life. <laughs> I mean, it was all Greek to me, it really was, all right? But there's two words, and I'm going to try to say them correctly. Um, I hope Dr. Phipps, who was my Greek teacher, uh, doesn't listen because he'll critique me and probably give me an F this morning for the grammar. Um, so there's two. Um, angla gego, all right? And that means to, to be blessed, but it was uh, kind of the, the phrasing that we use to, oh, bless the sick, right? Oh, Lord, bless the sick, or, or bless the children, Okay, um, that word, right, is not used here, right, in the Beatitudes. The form of blessed that we're talking about um, is makarios, uh, makarios, and that means to recognize an existing state of happiness of, or good fortune. To be blessed is to enter into an ex, you know, uh, existing state of happiness, 
right? Because we can be uh, guided by our emotions, right? Happy is an emotion, right? Right, and it, it, you know, in James it talks about this kind of distinction between happiness and joy. Okay, I think this is very similar to that. You know, you can enter into a state of happiness, right, in the midst of trouble. And if you go to James one, when he's talking about choosing joy, that's exactly what they were doing. They were choosing joy, right? Their brothers and sisters were getting killed because of persecution. They were being, um, you know, basically put on as light posts in the cities, right? They were being hung from the streets as street lamps. It was awful. But James said, choose joy, right? It's a choice. The blessed, to be blessed is to enter into that same state. To be blessed is to have that state of mind that's more than our emotions and much deeper than that. We are blessed even in the midst of troubled times. So we can sing, don't worry, be happy as followers of Christ because we can enter into that state of, of being blessed. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. I just kind of wanted to break that down. But um, we're going to be reading from Mark 5, verse 5. We're in the, the Sermon on the Mount and we've uh, covered the two the first two beatitudes. Um, you know, blessed are those uh, people um, who depend only on Him. Um, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, blessed are those who grieve or mourn, for they will find comfort. And so we pick up here. And I'm going to actually read from the screen first. Um, it says, uh, this is the NIV. It says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. All right? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This version um, is the uh, contemporary English version. I just want to read it as well. It says, God bless those people who are humble. The earth will belong to them. God blesses those who are humble. The earth will belong to them. So, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So we're talking about meekness this morning. Um, you know, we've been celebrating Martin Luther King Jr.'s life. That is a man who was meek, right? And we're going to unpack what meekness is. But he was a man who was motivated by not selfish gain. gain. He was motivated by a selfless desire, right? He cared not just for himself, right? He cared about other people. And what, what I love about him is he didn't just care about the people there, right, there in the 60s. He cared about us today. The dream that he had wasn't just for then, it was for now. He was meek. Meek to the point where he um, was beaten. Meek to the point where he was humiliated. Uh, meek to the point of death. And so this weekend we think about him and I hope that at the end of this sermon, that you will think of him as a, as a meek person. Um, and so some of you might be hearing this, you're thinking, is he calling Martin Luther King meek? Because in our uh, imagination a lot of times, we hear meek and we think weak. Can we say that, admit that, that a lot of times in American culture, we hear meek because it's not a common word that we use on our, our day-to-day, right? We think 
weak. But meekness is not weakness. See, Moses was known for being the meekest of all people on the earth. We read in Numbers. Alright? So, was he weak? No, he was pretty powerful. Alright? Let's just go a little bit into his life. Um, this is the same guy who was declares, declared as meek. He was also the one who killed a soldier. Alright? He argued with God. He smashed the Ten Commandments because he was full of rage. He doesn't sound very weak to me. He was pretty powerful, right? But he was meek. Our understanding of meek, um, or our understanding should, be from the Greek word that's used here. Um, And that's uh, parios. Parios uh, means... To, and it's commonly described as a broken colt, a gentle breeze, or a soothing medicine. A broken colt, a gentle breeze, or a soothing medicine. So those things kind of um, communicate. Are they weak? All right. Has anybody rode a horse? All right. Pretty powerful. Medicine. We depend on that, right? So I decided I, I was going to bring a horse in here today um, just to sh- so y'all can experience it. So that's why we really came down on the stage. All right, I'm just kidding. I'm not. But, 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 but wait, let, wait, let, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'll come right back. <laughs> Yeah! I got me a horse, y'all. Listen, listen. Yep. Powerful, huh? This is beauty. Yeah, see, it even makes noises. Alright. So, these horses. What, y'all can't take me serious? What's wrong? Unique, a meek, unique. No. <laughs> All right, so down, boy, down. All right, so horses, you know, we've used them through for centuries. Okay, you know, to pull things, you know, to pull, you know, the plow behind us to to till up the gardens, and you know, all these things. They're they're wild, right? They were powerful, but this meek here in the Greek was a broken colt, a broken horse, meaning that it was trained, right? Because you couldn't take something like, you know, this, you know, this seems to be like a wild picture of a horse, right? That's what I was trying to communicate. You know, you couldn't just strap it up to a plow and just hit go and do what you wanted to do, right? No, it has to go through a process of training, just like anything. You know, a child has to be brought up in a way, you know, of training. A horse has to do that as well. And so, there, there's a um, description of a horse. That's where we get this word, meek. A meek horse. A meek horse is one, you know, and we talk about this is a powerful horse. I mean, there's some that's way bigger than this one, right? 
You know, we've, we've seen them downtown when they do carriage rides. Those are some huge horses. And those aren't even the biggest type. But they're huge, right? But uh, a meek horse is powerful. But it's under control. A meek horse learns from its master. Right? The one who trained it. To the point where if... Someone gets on it, on the horse, right? They talk about, I remember whenever I was first learning how to ride the horse, like, don't be scared. I'm like, I'm freaking out here. You're throwing me on this big, huge horse and I'm young. I was like in, I think it was kindergarten. Somebody brought it to our school and was giving horseback riding lessons and stuff. It's really cool. But I was kind of scared. And they said, the horse will sense your fear, right? The horse is trained to know its master. Right? Know its owner. Know the one who broke it. Right? And so if somebody gets on and is trying to cause trouble, what will that horse do? Knock it off. Right? It won't go. It won't listen. Because it listens to its master's voice. That is a meek horse. And I've been on some horses that weren't very meek. Right? Um, Because they didn't listen to their masters either. Um, And and their owners. But there's a partnership as well within a meek horse. A meek horse knows where its master wants to go. Right? You know, you've been on, some of y'all been on a horse, you know, you, you lean or you give a little pressure with your leg, it knows to go. Or you, you take the rein, you, you guide it. Right? It knows that feeling. A meek horse, it doesn't even have to have a rein. It doesn't even have to uh, feel that pressure. Right? It's just that connection even. And a meat horse will guide you. In the old days, you know, I've read like people who you know, wrote, wrote journals and um, you know, theologians who would, would ride on their horse and they would write books. Right? They would read the Bible on their horse. I'm like, how in the world do they do that? The horse knew the way. A meat horse is known for if it is far from home. It always knows the way back. It can, it can be lost without its master, but it knows the way back home. That is a meek horse. <clears throat> a meek horse is loyal, right? It's loyal to its master. And so that power, that, is, that huge amount of power, meekness brings that power under control, right? Meekness brings it to where it listens to the Father or its Master, right? And so when, it, when we take it in Scripture, when it's talking about this, a meat, when Jesus is talking about it, a meek person is one who has their influence, right? King had influence, right? He was under control. He had things done to him that was awful. But he knew for the sake of the cause, Right? That he had to be under control, right? With the way that he organized things, the way that he did things. Even you look at Moses. Moses was powerful. But even when he started to truly follow the Father, he started making decisions that wasn't just for himself, but for the Israelites as a whole. Did they get frustrated? Absolutely. Did they have to call people and settle them in their place? Absolutely. 
But meekness is under control. And listening to the Father's voice and just having that connection to the Father. And Jesus was a perfect example of meek. Better than anybody. He did what the Father told Him to do. You know, you see in His prayer life, connecting to the Father. You see when He discipled the, those who followed Him. He's like, you know, you're following Me, but I'm following the Father. What my Father does, I do. What the Father tells me to do, I do. I don't do anything that the Father isn't doing. Right? Jesus was meek and He was calling the, the followers to be meek as well. And Jesus, you know, He was uh, you know, put up to, against the test. But yet He says, love your enemies. Right? He says, if one person slaps you, right, turn the other cheek. Right? Meekness also is your, brings you creativity. Right? Because you don't just respond in the selfish rage that, that just wants to just punch them right back. You're more creative. You're, you think, well, that just sounds coward. Turn the other cheek. Well, what that forced the people there in that culture... It forced them to make a decision, right? In their culture, we all have cultural norms, right? Cultural norms that for, by turning the other cheek is forcing them to make a decision on how they are going to view him in their humanity, right? So by, by turning the other cheek forces them to use a hand that was not appropriate to use in their culture. Going on down. He says, if, one per, if a person say, uh, or a soldier says to go one, one, one mile, go two. Why would that make a difference? Why would I want to go two miles with someone that hates me? Who's the enemy? Why would I want to go two miles to this Roman soldier that hates my people? Jesus knew the culture. He understood it. The law says it's okay for a soldier to say, hey, carry my bags one mile. It was unlawful to go two miles. He, he was so meek, he understood even how he organized. Right? He didn't respond just out of his rage. He was thought through. He was creative. And he forced the person, forced people to see his humanity. Right? And that's the way he was organizing um, even as disciples to be meek, to think through their steps, to do what the Father is doing. Does the Father see injustice? Yeah. If you look in the Old Testament, He's crying out for the Israelites. Look in the New Testament, He's crying out for, for people, all people. Right? He sees injustice. And he, He's not pleased. And He responds. And Jesus is an answer to that as well. So meekness is power under control. Like a horse, a horse is full of power, right? It can either bring harm or it can bring good. We have influence, right? We have influence on somebody. Whether it be our children, our grandchildren, our co-workers, our friends, right? Right? And we 
have to figure out, are we going to be good or are we going to be dangerous, right? And meekness is truly living into that, doing what the Father would have you do. So imagine with me, all right, you're at this red light, okay? Anybody like red lights? Yeah. You're forced with a decision to make. I'm late for an appointment or whatever it may be. Do I run the, run the light? Right? So then there's this fear of, well, I might get caught. Right? So if I run this light, I'll, chances are I'll get a ticket. So there's that fear of getting caught. Might run this light and... Um, if I do get a ticket, then it's going to be added to the, po- the points you know, on my insurance, which everybody hates paying insurance, but it's the reality of it. If it does, if, it, if I get a ticket, it will go on my, my insurance, right? But most of us, most of us, when we go to a, a red light, yes, those things are going through our mind, but we stop. We stop in a lot of ways because... The stop. The stoplight isn't just there to cause us frustration. The stoplight is there to guide us, to help us, to better our society. Because if I stop, it yields to someone else so that they can pass by in one, you know, minute or another, or sometimes five minutes, depending on what part of Salisbury you're at. Oh, I don't know. I think it's these trains. I don't know what it is, but. It will yield, right? It will turn green and you will go and someone else will yield to you, right? Meekness is a lot of like that. It's yielding to the Father, right? We all have these selfish motivations that is built up in us. But sometimes we have to yield that and do what the Father is telling us to do. Sometimes it contradicts what our own desires are. Sometimes it's, it's aligned, with our own desires, right? And I would say that's being in tune to the Father. That is, that is practicing what, what He wants us to be, right? And so that is meekness. Erwin McManus, which is a pastor, um, once said this, Meekness is not a life without strength. It is a life who uses their strength never to overpower, but only to empower. So people who are meek empower others. You know, we, we shared on our, our post this week, if you're on Facebook, about um, empowerment. Uh, you know, empowerment is like teaching others how to fish so that they can eat for the rest of their life. That's empowerment. You know, meekness is like that. Meekness is also listening to the Master's call for injustice. And challenging the system and asking the questions, why is this huge, massive wall around this pond so that these people can't eat? Right? Meekness is empowering, but also that empowering, empowerment leads to calling out injustice if, if there is injustice. So discipleship is learning to walk in meekness. Learning to walk the Father's steps. Learning to be broken for the things that breaks his heart. To rejoice 
and what, re- what uh, brings joy to his heart. A Mennonite pastor once said this. He said, A disciple is one who is disciplined to the attitudes and purposes of Christ. Discipleship is a de- demanding way of life. While a legalist is hard on others and easy on himself, a disciple is easy on others and hard on itself. Hard on himself. To take up the cross and follow Christ is costly. A true disciple of Christ is easy on others, but looks at its own self, looks at its own heart and says, am I living right? Right? Sometimes that's, that's different the way that Facebook is. Different the way Twitter is. We tend to uh, rotate that. A Facebook status tends to look at others people, other people stronger than they look at themselves. Because it's easy to do that. A disciple, where it's costly, where you have to carry your own cross, it's more difficult. You have to look at yourself before you look at others. Right? So the meek, the meek are those who humble themselves before God. The meek are humbly seeking after God in their day to day. They are neither too bold, yet they're also not timid. There's a balance. There's a balance because they're listening. There's this harmony between the Father and them. There's a harmony between anger over injustice, right? And there's also a harmony between listening to the Father and, and doing what, it sa- what He says. So harmony, harmony, meekness, is the way to find unity. One of our big uh, core values here is reconciliation. And I believe that to reach reconciliation, to reach unity, one must humble themselves. Right? You have to humble yourself to listen to others and, and, and understand their struggles. Right? You have to stop talking so much so that you can listen to someone else. We can't reach unity if each other are talking. We can't reach unity if each agenda is, the, is always at conflict with each other. To reach unity is to reach harmony with one another, to reach um, humility with one another. And so I decided to show a clip. It's one of my favorite movies. Kids always uh, watch this. And so t- tune in. Lightning McQueen in this movie, which is Cars, 
he's full of himself. He's got this pride about him. He's like, I can do it on my own. And he's going as fast as he can. And you got Doc, who is like this legend, right? This race car driver is a legend. He's like, yeah, he'll learn, right? And so he lets him go on. And obviously he, he didn't learn to, to counteract that turn and, and to uh, actually drift through the, the turn. And he ends up right in... The, the plants there and uh, messes everything up. And, you know, to reach unity, to reach harmony, right, to really walk in meekness is to give up pride, to say no to your pride and ego, which there is a bunch of ego around. I will say there's a bunch of ego in Rowan County. People are full of themselves. Do you agree? <laughs> Um, you know, and, and in our world, not just Rowan County, in our world, wherever you look, there is pride, there is ego. But to humble yourself is to, to object to that ego. To say no, right? And you see that in Jesus. You see that in um, Moses even. You see that in Martin Luther King, Right? You know, they, they were strong. They were powerful. But they made decisions not just for themselves, but made decisions for their kids, for their future, for um, us here today even. So humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Right? In our society, we're taught this false humility. Oh, well... I'm not that good at basketball, right? You hear me in the back? Yeah, I'm not that good at basketball, right? But truly, you're just like thinking of yourself. Like you're, you're trying to say, well, I really am, but I'm just going to say this so that I can be humble, right? I'm really good, but I got to say this. See, humility is thinking of yourself less, right? And it's thinking of others, other people more than yourself. Right? Not being so into yourself that you lose sight of everybody around you. So the secret to humility, which is truly the secret of, humi- of unity, is to consider others more important than yourself. Humility, meekness, is how we live into our DNA of reconciliation. So then it says, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The disciples were Jews. And they understood what that meant. For there was promises in the Old Testament, right? Under Abraham, under Moses, right? Of this future land, right? This this place that God is going to deliver them to. This promised land. Right, So when Jesus is saying this, He's actually going in a conflict to their culture. Because they thought only Israelites are going to inherit the land. He says, no, the meek are going to inherit the land. Anyone who hears my Father and does what He says and is in tune with that Spirit will inherit the land will inherit the promises of God that goes back all the way to the promises of Abraham. And so, to be meek 
is to inherit those promises. And I just challenge you today as, I, as we come to a close to really be meek. To lower oneself. To not be prideful. But to think about others. You are given influence. De- depending on where you are, it might be a lot of influence, right? It might be a little influence. But the Father also says, you know, that if you're faithful in the small things, right? We're to be faithful in those small things, wherever it may be. Maybe it just maybe it, you know, it's just in your home. A stay-at-home mom or or maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's you're a, a community organizer. Maybe you're an activist. Maybe you're a pastor. Whatever it may be. You have influence. How you steward that influence is what we're talking about today. Will you be meek? Or will you be weak? Because weakness is doing the opposite. Right? Weakness is truly doing what society is saying we should do. Right? But being guided by the Creator, the Sustainer of life, the Alpha, the Omega, the Almighty, by being guided and in tune with the Father, we're powerful. Right? Scripture says that no one can be defeated. No one can defeat us because of Him. So, it's learning to walk into that, that meekness. Discipleship is walking into that meekness. So I just challenge you today to walk in that. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your words. Uh, thank you for, for Jesus and Him uh, showing how to live a life of meekness. God, help us to just learn to be in tune to your, your voice. God, help us to to do what you want us to do, not just our own selfish motivations. But God, I pray that the dreams that we have would be the dreams of you, God. God, that that it would go that our dreams would just just not be about us, though. That it would be about our community and our world being a better place for you. God, we're here at Mission House and you know our DNA of, of wanting to be on mission and bring about goodness here. God, lo- help teach us to walk in meekness so that we can walk in goodness. And we love you. And we just ask that you would just break our hearts just like you break a, a, a colt, a horse, God. Break our hearts so that we can be in tune to you. Break our hearts so that when we see injustice, we can truly be broken for it. And it just not be a new thing. But God, that it would be something that penetrates deep within our soul. Because we hear you crying out. We cry out and we move. God, help us in our organization. As we organize others around us. Our our children. Our friends. Even our enemies, God. That we would be so intentional to your, your, your voice and your desires that people will not understand us. God, I pray that you would just give us direction in everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think even. 
God, that it would just bring glory to you and you alone. God, we surrender ourselves over to you as a meek soul looking to please their Father, their Creator. God, help us. Amen.